0: The PRO Act Know How. Hi, welcome to this uh, Wednesday webinar from PRO Act Partnership. We are titled this time, Death and Expat Taxes. And what we're going to look at is uh, a a deep dive into the the issues of of what is inheritance tax, especially what is inheritance tax for for expats. Uh, Inheritance tax, uh, when is it applied? It's not just applied on death. Inheritance tax is just a fancy name for capital gains tax. Capital gains taxes are applied when people are, uh, uh, create a, a capital event. Now, normally that could be a, a selling of a house. It could be the, um, the selling of a business or some art or uh, anything of value. Uh, for those involved in Bitcoin, uh, technically, selling a Bitcoin investment or shares investments would also be liable to a capital gains tax. Inheritance tax is, is generally, generally just applied when some, somebody dies. Not exclusively true, though. Um, so there are different ways to try and uh, pass capital assets onto family. And uh, those asset protections uh, in the forms of gifts can also be taxed during the lifetime. So inheritance tax is always there at 20%. Uh, but it becomes particularly painful when, in the event of a family death, uh, inheritance tax is paid. And in countries like the UK, for example, it, it's paid uh, within six months of death, often forcing sales of property or, or debt to be taken on by the estate. Uh, in other countries, um, it, the inheritance tax is paid up by the recipient. So the money passes it, it, in the estate over to the beneficiaries uh, who then have the capital gains liability. So that's the essential difference between capital gains tax and inheritance tax. The inheritance tax is just centered around date of death. So if you look at, um, when it applies um, and how it applies, um, we'll maybe get some bit more understanding of how it can affect expats. Um, everyone who's born has a nationality. Um, uh, you know, many people in this world struggle, become refugees, asylum because that, we're not talking about that. In the normal course of events, you're born into the country in, in the, under international law and you have a citizenship and a, a nationality from that. You can change that, but changing uh, citizenship or nationality takes time. There are some countries that offer special incentives and special schemes to accelerate that. Uh, that that's not the topic of this thing, but generally five to 10 years would be a time that an expat could live and work in another country and assume uh, a nationality of that country. If somebody has got... Um, Uh, family roots, going back to grandparents, they could get a nationality in in another country as well. So an American with Irish grandparents could still get Irish uh, citizenship. Um, Similarly, uh, a a Cypriot uh, living in London with uh, uh, Cypriot-born parents could get Cypriot citizenship. Um, South Africans, there's a big Greek community there, um, Uh, and and in Australia that could get uh, citizenship uh, in Greece or or Cyprus. So family roots uh, can determine a change of citizenship, but normally under international law, somewhere between five and ten years, um, somebody can change their nationality. Uh, Dual citizenship is allowed by many countries, but not by all. So, uh, for example, Germany and Austria don't, traditionally have dual citizenship. Um, so that's not an option for people uh, to 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 take up. Um, uh, and it's not an option if you live in if you're from Singapore. So you, you can have a Singapore passport or you can have a uh, a, a British passport, but you can't have both. Um, but if you're French or Irish or uh, Spanish or Cypriot expat. You could have a dual citizenship with a passport from both countries subject to qualification. But even if you get dual citizenship, you've still not necessarily uh, changed where you're from, where you're born. So what is your domicile? Uh, now, what, what is Boris Johnson's domicile? He's been in the news a lot, so let's talk about him. Uh, Boris Johnson... Um, is born of expat parents. So he, he has got a Turkish grandfather, but he was actually born in New York and did some of his schooling in Brussels. But his parents were British. Um and, and so he he resides and, and deems himself to be domiciled in the UK, where he spent the majority of, of his life. Um, Somebody that's born in the UK with Irish parents could have Irish nationality, dual nationality with British, but they're, because they're born in the UK, they would deem themselves to be domiciled in the UK. Domicile can be affected by your parentage. So somebody born in the UK with, with Asian uh, parents uh, that have emigrated to the UK could still have uh, a domicile um, a, a nationality based upon their, their home country of, say, India, uh, but it could also be a domicile as well. It depends how you register that birth and what your circumstances are at the time. But essentially, every person has a domicile. So, again, looking at UK expats, your domicile is your birth certificate, your parents are, live, uh, are legally resident nationals in, in Britain, then your domicile from Britain. Um, and that is different to your tax residence. So an expat can be domiciled in the UK and decide to go and live and work in in, uh, uh, any other country, in the Middle East, for example, um, or in Cyprus or in Portugal. You change your tax residence, um, but you don't change your domicile. You still come from the UK. Um, Now, under international law, um, forgetting about Brexit and EU citizenship, e- the EU is not a country, but it's got a, a, a sort of registration system, a registration system, an ID system, not a, a true nationality system, which allows people uh, EU citizens to get registered to live and work in different countries. That That's not what citizenship's about. That doesn't impact inheritance tax. What, what impacts inheritance tax is... Um, um, under international law, uh, after five to ten years in different countries with different, slightly different rules, you could apply for citizenship, and that would change your nationality. Uh, after five years of living in a country, you can apply for a, a form of permanent residence, whatever they call that in the in, in a particular country—permanent uh, residence or a long-term resident or a settled status. Um, again, that's not a nationality change, that's just a right to live and work abroad, which expats can get after being in the country for more than five years. And shorter than that, you're on a short-term working visa um, for any period that extends upon uh, beyond three months. So, once you go beyond that three-month holiday or business trip uh, stay, then you need some form of resident, retirement or working visa uh, to live and work in that country. So this is um, uh, tax residence for somebody that wants to uh, work in Portugal or Spain or Cyprus or the Middle East uh, becomes uh, under international tax law, obligatory after six months. Um, And then as far as expat taxes are concerned, it depends upon the country that you're in. So, if you're living and working in Portugal or Spain, the taxes are, are quite high. Uh, an expat can get special concessions for going to live in Italy or, or Cyprus, um, but not not in Germany. Um, so, we're not. Uh, there's a lifestyle choice. of What's best for your family and for your business. Um, and and you pay the right amount of taxes in in those different regimes. But if you're setting up a plan to to, uh, um, extend where you're living and where you're based uh, for whatever your family and business reasons are, that is the place that you become tax resident. So a tax resident, an expat tax resident, um, will still have a tax obligation to their home country and different rules for different countries. So for ex- UK, for example, if there's a double taxation treaty between the country that you're tax resident in, your tax resident is fully settled in that country of tax residents. If there's no double taxation treaty, then that, that even though you live tax resident in another country, you're still liable to those UK or those home country tax returns. Uh, despite you having a second tax return. So what does, the dual, what does the Double Taxation Treaty cover for the country that you're going to be living in? Um, now, there's some wonderful countries around the world which don't have capital taxes, which don't have inheritance taxes, uh, and some don't have dividend taxes, and some don't have um, uh, taxes on overseas earnings, only on remittance basis. So there's lots of different options what suits the expats' uh, family and business circumstances. So that's what we look at to try and fit the best uh, tax uh, approach uh, for a person that can be legitimately living and working abroad, protecting their property, their business and their family, uh, not just during the lifetime, but down the generations, which is when we, we look at inheritance tax. So you can become a tax resident And you can have the protection of a double taxation treaty. Um, But then what what if you have a a property or a business or an investment portfolio in another country? Where does that get taxed? Now, they get taxed. Somebody just asked a question, and I didn't see the whole question, so I'm not sure what that is. Try me again. The sound might be a bit better now. Is that any better? Oh my. Sorry about that, guys. Um, my microphone was uh, got caught up inside my um, uh, jacket. So uh, that's why it was a bit muffled. So I've got my fairy, fairy knob out now. Um, so your tax residence, uh, dual taxation treaty can protect your income tax and, and your, your, in, your movable income, but it doesn't necessarily protect your capital income. So under law, There's fixed assets and movable assets, depending on immovable and movable assets, real estate and and movable estate. So certain assets are deemed to move with you. So if you have dividend income uh, or uh, earned income or bank interest, they're they're all deemed to be where you are. So if you're doing your work in, uh, if you're working self-employed sole trader, in Cyprus, then you know, you, your work in Cyprus is taxed there, your economic work is taxed there. But if you've got uh, a bank account in Ireland or uh, America or England, the, the interest that's generated from that is also taxed, it moves with you. So your bank account and your investment account could be anywhere in the world, and the interest earned on that is taxed in your country of tax residence. Normally, under tax tax treaties, not always true. As the South Africans um, have got a very aggressive uh, tax approach at the moment. Uh, But that doesn't uh, account for everything. So, if you've got a capital asset, such as property or business or um, investments in another jurisdiction, they will be taxed as a capital gain in your country of uh, uh, where the asset is based. So a UK expat that then goes on to sell an investment property in the UK or a Singapore expat buying property in the UK and sells that property, has got a capital gains tax in the UK on that property sale, and that can't be avoided. The gain and the taxable event is in the UK and it's taxed in the UK even if they uh, are... Uh, uh, living in another country as a tax resident. If you're a tax resident in the UK and you cash your your capital or your financial investments, then um, those movable and, and capital investments in the UK will get taxed in the UK. Now, this is the question with Bitcoin. where Where is Bitcoin? Where is it based? And the legislation is trying to catch up. And, and our view at the moment is that... Um, Uh, Bitcoin is treated as uh, 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 an interest, uh, um, uh, um, uh, a capital gain that is where you are tax resident. And so by becoming non-resident, the capital gain can be either deferred or or taxed in a different regime. So it is a complex issue. It's one that's worth looking at, which is not for this webinar, but we'll look at that in a bit more detail later on. Uh, the key issue is that um, investment gains follow you to where you your country. So if you're in a country where there is no capital gains on investments or income tax on dividend income, then obviously you're going to be better off from a business perspective. So um, successful British business people like Dyson and Singapore and Jim Radcliffe and, and Monaco, Will, will relocate as expats to those jurisdictions because they have a significant gains tax saving when they dispose or cash in shares or, cap- or capital sales off, of their business um, so you know there can be big, big tax savings if it suits your business uh, lifestyle and and that, and that is generally. For, for capital gains, capital gains is a good one for British expats because when it's non-property, the capital gain is, is reported into the UK, but not taxed unless you as long as you stay out of the UK for five years. So if you're expatting into a, a country or a jurisdiction with a tax residence where there's no capital gains tax on overseas uh, gains, either because it's not reportable or it's a zero rate, then you can mitigate that capital gains, tax liability, if that suits your your family and business circumstances. Inheritance tax is based on domicile. So a UK expat is still domiciled in the UK. So even if they've avoided capital gains on business um, and investment uh, and and Bitcoin disposals, even if they're not paid tax on interest and, and savings, um, a, a UK expat is technically liable to capital gain, inheritance tax on, on death because they are, they are UK domicile now the law of this is actually not written down uh, it, it, it's, it's assessed on a case by case basis so there's guidelines and the wonderful thing about a tax jurisdiction like Cyprus is to get clarity they made, in law, what the uh, UK uh, HMRC apply as a rule of thumb. So expats could pay a lot of money, could pay 10,000, 5,000 to UK lawyers to assess whether they're domiciled or not and trying to get a, a, a evidence together to show that they're non-domiciled. Um, you know, if you come to Cyprus as a tax location um, the, the definition of domicile and non-domicile are very, very clear and they're in law and so you can use that to your tax advantage and that will give you 0% tax on, on gains, capital gains on dividends and on bank interest for up to 20 years um, however that, that defined non-domicile status for an expat in Cyprus uh, works in the reverse, because a UK expat, therefore, or a German expat or a, a French expat, is still um, domiciled in their home country, so that the home country has still got a claim. If you stay outside the UK for 20 years, then you can claim to be non domicile. But the test case in law for that is where... Uh, a guy just did just that in Monaco, but then returned in, in his will to be buried in the family uh, cemetery. And, and because of that, the UK government deemed, uh, HMRC deemed that he, he still saw himself as coming from the UK and therefore his domicile. So if you want to sit in your British castle in the Algarve, flying a Union Jack outside, um, and claim that you're not British, um, that will be the evidence uh, against that. Um, but there's better ways to do these things. So as long as you're domiciled in the UK, which is from birth, um, from your family connections and your nationality, then it's hard to lose that domicile and it could take up to 20 years of living and working abroad. Uh, you could pay a lot of money to try and claim the evidence around that or you can do the Bill Gates type of approach, the American type of approach, and, and protect the, the family and business assets in, 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 in a trust environment. Uh, and that can protect you from uh, local taxes for overseas property and business. It can also uh, protect you from expensive complications of probate cases or if if somebody' has an accident or is injured and needs to hand over care and uh, you know through powers of attorney um, it, it, you can manage the jurisdictional issues of dealing cross-border by creating a, a, a family uh, uh, asset protection uh, organization that, that 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 protects the family and keeps the legal control in a jurisdiction that, that you want which is legally works for the family and protects the assets um, against the cost uh, of legal uh, wranglings following probate or death and also against the inheritance tax. So, um, and and this is how how you can do that. So inheritance tax in the UK has actually got two rates, 20% and 40%. So if uh, somebody's dying uh, they've just been diagnosed with cancer in the UK, they've got five years to live and they wanna give away a million pounds, um, then potentially that's got a, a 20% inheritance tax that's payable when the gift is made. There is an exemption, there's one lifetime exemption for each person that's frozen at its current rate, 3- 325,000 for, for till 2026. So that, but everything above that is a lifetime gift could be charged at 20%, even if you're sitting in uh, uh, sunny Cyprus or, or um, Bali or Indonesia or, or any other place around the world. Um, that, that gift, uh, as a, for a UK domiciled inheritance tax person, is potentially charged at 20% during the lifetime. So you can make gifts without that. Again, there's a limit to what you can do. And over time, that that gift can diminish. So the UK are very happy for you to avoid capital gains or inheritance tax over a five-year cycle. So a managed approach of gifting business and property and investment assets uh, into a a protected environment, safe and secure, controlled by the family, uh, the family trust then allows the, the uh, inheritance tax on death at 40%, because it's 20% during a lifetime gift. It doubles to 40% on death. You've only paid 20, you pay another 20 on death. Um, and, and that goes that way as well. The other thing for expats is that um, it doesn't cover pension funds. Pension funds are their own pension trust funds and there's special rules for that. Um, and there, depending upon your age, you could end up paying, um, you could have your own self-managed pension fund, get to age 80, you know, it varies, the rules are quite complex, but let's say you die at age 80 with your self-managed pension fund, got a million pound a day, you could get 50% um, tax on that, on death, and 50% goes to family, so 50% gone straight away. So again, you can protect that, that capital by using your own family trust rather than a pension trust uh, arrangements. Um, If you've got your money gifted away and you've got it gifted away over time, uh, let's say over five, 10, 15, 20 years into a family trust, you can still protect it from UK inheritance tax. Even if you go back to the UK, even if you go back to your home country, once the gift is established and, and, and the, the, the structure is such that you're, you're protected, the, the capital and its distance, while you've still got control of that through the arrangements, you, you, you can then, because you're distanced from that, you can then choose to go back and live in the UK. So an expat can live abroad for 30 years, Be claim to be no longer domiciled in the UK, um, but the minute that they go back, even if it's because they need a, a medical treatment uh, during their lifetime or, it, it, you know, for, for their own funeral uh, or, for, or just by accident they end up to be back in the UK when they die, you know, th- they then become liable for that Inheritance Act on their worldwide assets. So the only way to protect that is to make arrangements and gift it over a period of time. So it's a long-term strategy. Made on the deathbed, you'll still get taxed for inheritance. Um, but because a family trust could also protect from capital taxes and income tax liabilities um, and cross-border legal expenses and uh, administrative expenses, it actually becomes a very cost-effective way of protecting the family's business, property, Assets um, are, are across generations as well as across border. Um, the the worst thing we ever see is people that you know are in a desperate state, and you know there's somebody trying to make arrangements to avoid inheritance tax. You can't do it. That you can give away three thousand here or three thousand there. You can make ch- charity donations but the money's lost to the family altogether it's uh, far better to do a lifetime of pension planning to have a good pension when you stop work but similarly it's far better especially for expats to make a lifetime plan to organize their affairs to protect their family's assets i income and capital gains so um, once an expat leaves the UK, they can avoid capital gains on business and investment sales. And if they organize the assets within that family trust, they can, over time, um, generate a sufficient to free themselves from any liability to capital gains tax um, or inheritance tax of 40%. So that, that, that. That is the approach that that we would recommend and guide people on. Um, As experts, we've got that long-term expertise to look after people living and working abroad. Um, We've got a retained client service where we offer uh, people ongoing guidance on how to organise their affairs. Um, We're not selling property. We're not selling uh, investments um we're, we're helping manage family and business affairs and so we're, we're looking at the long term all the time of how to protect your family's assets so that the money goes to your children uh, and your spouse and your family and not uh, frittered away to the tax man or inexpensive legal bills down the years so our retained clients can get access to that advice online on an ongoing basis if you want more specialist administration and setup of your uh, affairs across border and worldwide, uh, ProEct can do that. We're, we're real experts at that, and you need to go along to our website at ProActPartnership.co.uk, find out about our retaining service.